Well, church, good morning, good morning, good morning. I'm so excited to see each and every one of you in the room this morning. If you are receiving this message online, I want to especially welcome you in. And if we haven't had the chance to meet before, my name is Bryce Holman. I serve as our middle school coordinator here at the church, which means I'm on our amazing youth staff. And uh, so all the students out there, whether you're in the room or in a different room of some kind, I want to give you a special shout out. And I love you to death. Well, I want to start off by recognizing once again, it's Father's Day. And Father's Day is an incredible, incredible holiday. And I want to take a moment just of pastoral privilege for a second, if I may. And recognize my own daddy sitting right over here. I'm not going to make him stand up or anything like that. But um, this week I was trying to think, you know, what's a funny story that I could start off with that I could tell about my dad with this message? And um, after going through about 100 of them, maybe even more this past week, I decided I was going to do something a little more meaningful. You see, I want to tell you for a few seconds the thing that I admire most about my dad. The thing that I admire more so than anything else about him. And that is that he kept showing up. In fact, he keeps showing up in my life in a very positive way, in a very supportive way. He's even here this morning. You know, maybe if you're like me, you can think back to your childhood. And what your childhood held, whether you are proud of it or not, what it probably held from time to time was some disrespect towards your parents, which for me was not very many years ago. Maybe it's held some anger that was misdirected that you took out on your dad. And that's exactly what I did, but nonetheless, he kept showing up. Nonetheless, anytime in my soccer career, from when I was three years old all the way through college, I could look up into the stands, I could look on the sideline, any given game, and there he was cheering me on, pushing me to be the greatest player I could possibly be. At any given family gathering, I could look around the table, and there he was trying to be the comedian that he is so convinced that he is. Nonetheless, my dad kept showing up. So dad, I wanna tell you from the bottom of my heart, I'm thankful that you decided to keep showing up when I gave you every single reason not to do it. And the reason I say that is not just to commend my earthly father, but it's because I think that that's an attribute of our heavenly father. That day after day, sin after sin, we've given God every reason to give up on us, but yet we're still here. Whether you're in this room or whether you're in a different room, you're still here. God has not given up on you. In fact, God decides you're worth keep showing up for. He keeps showing up for us, even when we sin against him. And this morning on Father's Day of all occasions, I believe that what our heavenly father wants out of us is that we receive the word of God, that we receive the word of God for exactly what it is. You know, we've, we've been in this series, as Trevor mentioned, and as you just saw on the screen a few moments ago, all about the book of Philippians, which was a letter that Paul wrote when he was in lockdown. He was in physical chains, but he was spiritually free. He was in physical bondage and he was writing this letter to a group of believers, just like us here today. If you know Christ, I'm so thankful you're here. If you're here and you don't know Christ, I'm also so thankful that you're here because I believe Paul wants to give us a little secret that I'm gonna let you in on in just a few moments. But before we do, I wanna open us in a word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for this beautiful morning. Thank you for this privilege that it is to stand on this stage, grab this microphone and to deliver a message that you've given me to deliver to your people. God, I pray that we'd be receptive to it, that we wouldn't try to read in to the word of God, but we would allow the word of God to read us. And I pray that you alone would get all the glory, honor, and praise that you alone are worthy of this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, if you have a Bible or an app that you can access the Bible on this morning, I would invite you to turn with me to Philippians chapter four. I'll give you a moment to do so. Philippians chapter four. And the title of my message this morning, if you're taking notes, 
or you want to take pictures of the screen, the title is very simple, The Secret Sauce of Contentment. The Secret Sauce of Contentment. Now, I'm going to take a wild guess and say that in this room and any other room that you may be receiving this message from, we have got some Chick-fil-A fans. If we have any Chick-fil-A fans, I need you to make some noise, please. I need to hear you. Okay, good. So we have a few Chick-fil-A fans. I myself am a Chick-fil-A fan. I want you to know before I go any further, if you are not a Chick-fil-A fan, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God would direct you to the truth. That is, the Chick-fil-A is the greatest restaurant in uh, the entire world right now, but also ever. So Chick-fil-A has this sauce, and they call it Chick-fil-A sauce. Some of you may be very familiar with that sauce. And whether you like Chick-fil-A sauce or you despise Chick-fil-A sauce, it is their secret sauce. And the reason I tell you that it's a secret sauce is because I, for one, have never seen it recreated. I've never seen it sold in stores because the only place you can get it is at a Chick-fil-A. It's their secret sauce. We know the truth about their secret sauce is that if you were to remove one of the key ingredients, it might still taste good, but it won't be Chick-fil-A sauce. And I think that it's the same exact concept that Paul wants to teach us this morning, all about contentment. This idea of being content no matter what the circumstances are. I believe he gives us three ingredients, three key concepts that if you try to remove one of them from your life, you might be experiencing something good. You might experience contentment for a few days, weeks, or maybe even months, but it won't be the real thing. And it will eventually change when your situation does. And so this morning, if you'll allow me to for a few moments, I wanna talk about three very key and crucial ingredients that Paul gives us that if we add all three of these to our life, I believe that we'll experience the Christ-like contentment that God desires we have in this season and every season going forward. In verses 11 through 13, to start us off, here's what Paul says. He says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need and I also know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether I'm well-fed or whether I'm hungry whether I'm living in plenty or whether I am living in want, I can do all this through him who gives me the strength to do it. You see, for most people in this room and watching online, the one thing that you wish you had during this season, and maybe you even do have during this season, is that word contentment. God, I know there's been a drastic change in our world over the last few months that none of us saw coming in a lot more ways than just one. And what I really desperately need and what I want from you is to show the world what it's supposed to look like to be content no matter what the circumstances are around me. And maybe that's you this morning. You've prayed those things to God before. You've been looking for that contentment, but maybe you've been looking in all the wrong places. And Paul says, I found the secret. And it's the secret that I wanna share with you this morning. So if you're taking notes, here is the first ingredient that I believe Paul teaches us directly from chapter four of Philippians that you have to have if you want contentment. He says, I need you to rejoice regardless. Rejoice regardless of your circumstances. Rejoice regardless of what's going on around you because of the God that lives within you. He says, rejoice regardless. In verse four, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. You know, it's so incredible for me to read Paul saying this when he's in physical chains. He is literally in chains bound to another guard on either side of him when he's writing the words, rejoice in the Lord always. And he's writing to a group of people who are believers in Philippi and they're not bound with the same chains that Paul is bound with when he writes this. But I bet that if they're anything like us, they're probably going through some stuff. 
They've probably got some things going on in their life, some sins that they're hiding that nobody else knows about except for them and God, and they've tried to keep secret for days, weeks, months, years in their life, whether they're mental, emotional, or maybe even spiritual chains. They've got some sort of chains in their life. They're probably going through some stuff. And I believe that now more than ever before, Paul needs us to remember the words that we just heard him say. Rejoice in the Lord always. I love the fact that Paul does not say, hey, I need you to rejoice in the Lord always, but feel free to read the fine print below to see when you get a pass. No, no, no. He says always at all times, no matter what's going on around you, I need you to rejoice because of the God that's living within you. And he says, I found the secret to how to do this. And you know, Paul is not the only example of this in scripture. My all-time favorite passage in the entire Bible comes from the book of Habakkuk. Now, when I said that name, some of you in this room and some of you watching online did not know there was a Habakkuk in the Bible, and I'm here to tell you that is okay. Before I went to Bible college, I had no idea that Habakkuk was even a person, was even a book, but since I found out about it and read these three chapters in Habakkuk, it has become my favorite book. It holds my favorite passage, which I'm about to read to you in a moment. And I am convinced that no matter who I marry one day, my first child will be named Habakkuk. I'm gonna have to try to do some convincing. I might try to shorten that name a little bit, but we'll see how it goes. Well, anyway, in Habakkuk, his first two chapters out of the three is him complaining to God because when he looks to his right and he looks to his left, all he sees is chaos. God, there's chaos everywhere. He even says things like this. How long, Lord, must I call for help? Why do you make me look at all this injustice? Destruction and violence are before me. There's strife and conflict abounds. And after God himself answers Habakkuk's complaining on two different occasions, in chapter three, Habakkuk finally gets to the point where he prays. You see, Habakkuk realizes the same thing I believe God wants to teach us this morning, that even if I can't see how God's working, even if I can't fully understand what God's up to in the current season I find myself in, and even though there's chaos around me, I'm still going to make the conscious decision to choose joy. He says, though the fig tree doesn't bud, though there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce absolutely no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, though there are no cattle in the stalls, this is how he ends his entire writing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I'm choosing to be joyful in God, my Savior. Habakkuk had the choice to rejoice and he chose to do it. Because even when the world told him that he could not find joy, he knew God could still supply it anyway. And that's exactly what happened. You know, if we wanna experience contentment, the real contentment, the Christ-like contentment that God wants us to have, I think we have to differentiate very early on between circumstantial joy and eternal joy. I think David Jeremiah, a very prominent pastor in our country, says this beautifully. He says, your happiness is determined by your happenings. But joy is only determined by Jesus. Your happiness is determined by your happenings, the things that change in your life, the things that are great one minute and then terrible another. That's your happiness, but your joy is determined by Jesus. You know, I believe that it is a crucial common misconception in our world today, and even in our community here in Lexington, that you have to walk around with a smile on your face to convince the ones around you that you're joyful. But when I look into what Paul's saying here, I don't think that's joy at all. I think that's happiness because happiness comes and goes and it changes when your situation or your circumstance does. But joy is eternal. So he says, I need you to rejoice regardless. That's ingredient number one. Number two, moving along is master your mind. I need you to master your mind. In verse eight, here's what he says. Finally, brothers and sisters, 
Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, I need you to think about these things. And if we're honest this morning, I wonder how many of us have been searching for contentment. But we have been too focused. The reason we haven't found it is because we've been too focused on our potential future that we have completely forgotten about God's previous faithfulness. We've been so focused on what our future could look like after all this is said and done. We've even, we, we've even been so focused on what tomorrow could look like, what tomorrow could bring, that we have forgotten about all the times in our past where God was faithful when he didn't have to be. We've forgotten about all the times in our past where, where God said, even if the circumstances around you are changing negatively, I'm still doing something positively. We've been so focused on our future that we forgot God's previous faithfulness. And I think that it is one of the devil's main tactics to convince us in our minds and even sometimes in our hearts that God has left us, God has abandoned us. Bryce, there's no way God wants you after you struggle with that same sin over and over again and you can't figure out how to get out of it. There's no way God would still come back to you. I believe those are the lies that the devil has been telling a lot of us in this season if we're honest with ourselves. And in order to combat those schemes of the evil one, we have to think about the things that God has done for us. We have to think about the times that God has proven his constant faithfulness in our lives. And if you read throughout scripture, you'll, you'll begin to see a trend, especially in the Old Testament, with how God starts some of his conversations with some of his key servants that we read about, like Moses. In Exodus 3, verse 6, Paul is about, or sorry, God is about to give Moses his calling. And the first thing he says to him is, I am the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. That's how he starts his conversation with Moses. And you know, I read through that phrase many, many times all throughout the Old Testament and New Testament. And I tried so desperately to figure out, God, what's the meaning behind you doing this? Why these three men in particular? And you know, I think that there's many different reasons, but I think I found one of them. I think that when God says this to Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, I'm the God of Isaac, and I'm the God of Jacob. Moses immediately starts thinking back to those three men and their lives and how God was faithful to them in amazing, spectacular ways. How every one of those men led God's people to a new place of some kind, whether that be physical or spiritual. And Moses realizes the truth amidst any lies he may be believing. That if God was faithful in Abraham's life, if God was faithful in Isaac's life, if God was faithful in Jacob's life, then I can only believe that God's still gonna be faithful in my life. You see, God was speaking to a man in Moses that was about to go watch God's people be enslaved for many years. And hear God say, I'm gonna use you to help get them free. I'm gonna use you to go to this guy, Pharaoh, who leads all of Egypt and ask for freedom. And even one chapter later in Exodus 4, Moses starts giving God reasons why he's not qualified, why he's not good enough. God, I can't do this. I can't speak as eloquently as you need me to in order to do the things that you want me to do. But all along, God's saying, if, if that's how you're gonna approach this, Moses, and I believe he's speaking it to us today, that I'm going to remind you of my faithfulness to the people who have gone before you. And I believe God wants to remind someone in this room and in any other room you may be watching from that if he was faithful all the way back here, when we were the farthest from God we've ever been, maybe that's you right now. You feel the farthest from God that you have ever been in your life. Maybe you don't even know Jesus personally, but there's a reason you're still here today. Something inside of you told you to click on Facebook Live. 
Something inside of you told you to click on livestream.com. Something inside of you brought you to Mount Horeb United Methodist Church. Even when you feel farthest from God, God is still showing up in small, but in his eyes, big ways to prove his faithfulness. If God was faithful in our darkest seasons, God's going to be faithful in every season going forward. He's still got a plan and purpose, but he needs us to master the way that we're thinking. He needs us to think about the things he has done the ways that he has made a way when there looked like there was absolutely no other way that we could get past the things we were struggling with, God still found a way. And I'm here to tell you this morning that if that's you in this current season, God's still gonna make a way. I couldn't tell you what kind of way it's gonna look like, but God is going to make a way. In our world today, there are so many different things begging for our attention for even just a few seconds. We have more distractions than ever before. So now, more than ever before, I believe God needs us and is even calling us to learn to think about the things that he has done. The times that he showed up for us, including this morning. So Paul says, I need you to rejoice regardless, no matter what your circumstances are. I need you to learn to master your minds and think about the things that are worth thinking about in relation to God. And here's the third ingredient that we need to find contentment. Please do not miss this if you've missed everything else I said this morning. Paul is telling us that God needs us to partake in peace. We have to learn to partake in peace. Verse seven is so crucial. Please don't miss this. He says, the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and will guard your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, if there's one word that I think our world could use right now to describe what we all want, it's that five-letter word I just used, peace. Peace. That's what we want. That's what we need and not just peace, but the peace that transcends all human understanding. That when we have it and people see it, they're gonna want what we have, but they're not gonna understand how we have it. There's circumstances that are chaotic around you, but for some reason you still have peace. And it'll guard our hearts, it'll guard our minds, as Paul says, in Christ Jesus alone. You know, in March of this year, I was sitting on my couch in my college apartment at CIU with my roommate. And I remember that he and I were watching ESPN at the time on the television and they had just reported that the NBA was putting their season on pause for a little while due to the coronavirus. And he and I kind of just brushed this off like it was no big deal. Well, if you were to fast forward about a week, it felt like our whole world had hit the pause button. And I just found myself scratching my head, seeming as if something drastic had changed overnight. And I found myself asking this question, God, where is the peace? People were freaking out. This is beginning to turn into a little bit of chaos. Where is the peace? When is all this gonna get back to the, the normal that I knew? And just a few weeks ago, I was sitting on a different couch, the one in my home here in Lexington. And I turned on the television once again, and it was on Channel 3, a local news station here. And they were reporting about how some peaceful protests had turned violent downtown just 25 minutes away. How people's businesses were being destroyed. How things were getting a little more out of hand than we thought. And you fast forward a week from there and it seemed like our whole nation was going through the same thing in major key cities. And in that moment, I found myself asking the exact same question. God, I thought I already asked you this, but I didn't really get an answer. Where is all the peace? Everything was going great, but now it's, it seems to be out of control and chaotic. God, where's the peace? That's what we need. And just a few days ago, when I was preparing for this message, I hadn't written any of it out yet, but I knew that peace was a crucial concept that Paul was gonna teach in chapter four. And so I prayed out loud to God. I remember praying this right before bed. 
I said, God, I have no words on my own that I could possibly share with these people, both in the room and watching online, to give anybody any sort of peace that's gonna last longer than five minutes. That's not gonna leave them. That's not gonna change when their situation changes. I can't do it on my own. So what would you have me say to these people to give them, to to give us, including myself, the peace that we all desire? And you know, I didn't hear God's voice audibly in that moment, but I felt like, and I still feel like God gave me a little bit of news that CNN, Fox News, NBC, WIS, any news station has not been covering recently. And here's the little bit of news that I think God wants to relay to his people. It's as if he was saying, Bryce, peace can't be found in a president. Peace can't be found in this political party. Peace can't be found in that political party. Peace can't be found in the police force. Peace can't be found in the government anywhere you look. Peace cannot even be found in healthcare. And Bryce, believe it or not, Peace cannot even be found in any man-made earthly vaccine of any kind because the only place that true peace can actually come from, the only source is in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's it. And for some of us in this room, we have been searching for peace, the true peace, the true contentment, the true joy. We've been searching for it by looking to avenues that it can flow through, but we have yet to find the true source. And I'm here to tell you this morning that whether you know him or not, Jesus Christ is the true source of the peace that you've been longing for, of the contentment that you have been looking to your right, to your left, to your front, to your back to find, but you haven't looked up yet. Jesus Christ is the only place that you can find it through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, one time Jesus walked into a room after he had been resurrected from the grave and it was full of his disciples. And he walked in and the first thing that he said to his disciples, because it's the thing that he knew they needed. You see, they had put all their hope, their trust, their peace in Jesus Christ who was now crucified and dead and buried. And so they thought he was gonna stay. But he comes walking in and he says these four words, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I believe that those four words, if you missed everything else that I said this morning, those four words are exactly what God wants to speak over you right now. Peace be with you. And as we close, my question for you today, whether you're here in person or whether you're watching online, is very simple. Do you know the source of true peace, of true joy, of true contentment, the only source, Jesus Christ? Because the truth is, whether you know it or not, 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ did the unthinkable, the unimaginable. He got on a cross for you. He got into a grave for you, and then he came walking out, trampling over death and sin once and for all. But the reason that he did that was because God saw exactly where we would be in 2020. He saw exactly what we'd be facing before any of it came up. And he knew that I have to find a way to give my people a way out because they're gonna be struggling. They're gonna be looking to every other possible place that they think they can find these things that I wanna give them, except for the true source. So what am I gonna do? I'm gonna put my son on the cross all by himself, knowing that there are gonna be thousands, millions of people that will never turn back to him. But this morning, I believe that God's got you here to give you a choice. The offer is on the table right now. Jesus Christ is the only true source of peace, of joy, and of contentment. The only question left is, will you take him up on that offer? In a moment, we're, we're gonna close in a song all about the goodness of God. 
And I wanna invite you right now, if you're in this room and you're able to stand, would you stand with me? If you're watching online and you are in a room that you can stand, would you stand up with me as well? If you're in a car watching online, please do not stand up. That would not be good for anyone. But I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads and lift your hands up to the sky in surrender towards heaven. Nobody's gonna judge you for doing this. This is a form of surrender to God. I remember in 2019, the last Sunday of 2019 was the last time I was on this stage bringing the message that God gave me. And I remember very clearly saying the words, something along the lines of, no one knows what 2019 is gonna hold, but I know someone who does and his name is Jesus. God knew exactly what we'd be facing. And no matter what 2020 holds, we have to learn to rejoice regardless. We have to learn to master our minds, master our thinking. We have to learn to find peace and experience true contentment. I believe that's what God wants to give us this morning. And in a moment, no matter what we've been facing, when we walk out of this room, or even when we're in this room, we're, we're having to wear masks for the safety of others because there is a virus on the loose. There's a pandemic. There's violence going on everywhere we turn, it seems. But for some reason, we're here today and we get the privilege to sing that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, I'm still declaring that God is good. That God's still got a plan. No matter what the world tries to convince me of otherwise. Father, we pray to you right now. We ask you for this peace that only you can give us. We ask that you would allow our world to experience this peace as well. That passes all human understanding and that will guard our hearts and guard our minds in Christ Jesus. God, we know that you alone are the only source. You're the only way, you're the only truth, and you're the only source of abundant life that we could possibly find in this world. I pray for anyone in this room and anyone watching online who does not know that source, Jesus Christ, personally. I pray they wouldn't wait another moment to accept the goodness, the abundant life that you died and resurrected to give them. God, I pray that during this final time of worship, you'd be magnified and that we would sing like we've never sung before. We'd praise you like never before, declaring that no matter what the world says, you are good. You're working for our good and you're working for your glory. We give you all of that now, Lord. We give you our sins, we give you our faults, we give you our downfalls, and we give you our thanksgivings. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise in Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.